0: When it's my turn to give communion message in 2021, what I want to do is go through the names of God, do study, not all of the names of God. Uh, It would take more Sundays than we have in 2021, but uh, there are many reasons why it is good to know His names, to pray His names, and I'm just gonna give you three of those reasons right now. Uh, First of all, God's people are repeatedly commanded to know God's name, to use God's name, to, quote, call upon his name. Isaiah 12, verse 4. Can you really say that you know God as a friend if you don't know any of his names? I mean, friends know each other's names, right? And you might respond, well, his names are in Hebrew. I really don't know Hebrews, so I am not motivated to study his names. Well, you know all kinds of names from other countries. Most of the people in this church, their names are foreign names. My name, Philip, is a Greek name and yet you know me." And so a close walk with God means that you know God by name. So studying His names is an act of loving obedience and loving friendship. Second, knowing and using His names actually builds our faith because God's names reveal the essence of who He is. Now that's not true of my name. name Philip means uh, one who loves horses. (laughs) It's really not who I'm about. But that's not true of God's names. Every one of God's names reveals who He is. Even some of the tangential names, what you think of as tangential, like the name Rapha, healer. It's not that healing is an afterthought. Oh yeah, maybe once in a while God might heal. No, it's of God's very essence to delight in healing what is broken. And so each of the names focuses on a different facet of God's character and His plan uh, for us. And so... It builds confidence in us, it builds our faith, it helps us to know our God better. And this relates to the third reason to study His names. The names become promises that we can claim. Uh, This is why blessings are so frequently attached to either knowing God's name or calling upon His name. Let me just give you one example. Psalm 91 says of the believer, I will set him on high, so there's the promise, I will set him on high because... He has known my name. If you want more blessings in your life, know God's names. If you want more of God's power in your life, know God's names. Uh, The scripture says that demons tremble at the use of God's name. Why? Because there is the potential victory that we can have when we, by faith, lay claim uh, to God's name. So let's begin today by looking at the very first name that God has given to us in the Bible. It's in Genesis 1, verse 1, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word translated as God is the name Elohim. Uh, it's used over a thousand times in the Old Testament. And uh, that name communicates to us God's power and God's fellowship. And so let me break the name down into its two parts. First part of the name is El. El by itself means God or Mighty One or Strength. And so if you want to think of God as the Mighty One, El would be the name to use, and actually that name is used by itself uh, quite a number of times in the Scripture as well. This name reflects the fact that God is so powerful, He created this universe in the space of six days. Now some of you have perhaps uh, seen the videos that act sort of like Google Earth, you know, where it starts in somebody's yard looking at a leaf and it goes up, 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 until we we see the planet Earth off in the distance, and then we go past other planets, and Earth disappears, until finally the sun is just a tiny little speck way off there in the the distance. Well, it would take our fastest traveling spaceship, the New Horizons Pluto, 75,000 years to travel to the next star. So obviously this... um, video is traveling much faster than that, um, than that uh, spaceship. And it's traveling actually much faster than the speed of light because it would take 4.24 years at the speed of light to travel and reach the next star, and there are 200 billion such stars in just our galaxy, which is the Milky Way galaxy. Um, 200 billion stars, and all of those were created in Genesis 1 by Elohim. NASA says that the Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years in diameter, which means if you start on one edge of the Milky Way and you travel at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to get to the other end of our galaxy. That's a ginormous amount of space. Well, Elohim created that, and the L part shows His power. But the Milky Way is only one tiny galaxy in our universe. Yes, this 100 billion light year in diameter galaxy is a tiny galaxy. In 1999, NASA estimated that there were 125 billion galaxies out there, but not stars. There are billions of stars within each galaxy, but there are 125 billion galaxies. And the number that they are discovering keeps growing every year. Recently, there was a German supercomputer that uh, came up with a figure of approximately 500 billion galaxies out there, and we can only see a small portion of our universe. So we are, when we think about God's creative power, we're thinking of stupendous, awesome power. And that's all implied in the L portion of the name Elohim. So it's no wonder when the psalmist looked up at the stars that he said, God, why are you even mindful of us? And yet God is not only mindful of us, he knits us together in our mother's wombs. And he upholds every atom of your body by the word of his power. So that mole that you wish you didn't have, God created that, you know? God makes the blind. He makes the seeing. He knows you far better than you know yourselves. And so there are no accidents in life. Going back to that yard that we zoomed up out of, if instead of zooming up, you zoom down into the leaf, you bore into the leaf and see the cell structure, the cell is an incredibly complex um, uh, factory, as it were, and then you go into one little part of that cell and you look at the molecular structure and then drill deeper into the atomic structure with its protons and neutrons, and then you go into the subatomic particles in quantum mechanics physics, it absolutely blows your mind because it's almost as vast going down in as it is going up out. And yet God created all that. When you think of the knowledge and the power that it would require to hold that little cell together in that leaf and every other leaf and every other part of our planet and this universe, it is just mind-blowing to think of the power and the wisdom of God. I love the name Elohim. Elohim immediately elicits everything I've just talked about in my mind. And that name calms my fears and it builds my faith. It makes me want to worship Him. There is nothing in Washington, D.C. that is beyond his power. In fact, he's orchestrating all of these things to his glory. Now, when you couple the power inherent in the name El together with God's provision of salvation and his promises to provide for you, it makes sense that God is offended with your fears and your anxieties as if he can't take care of these things. You know, anxieties and fears which you know from the past, that's been my besetting sin, is a form of atheism. It is a denial of God's providence. It's a denial of His power. So when you begin to have anxiety, meditate on the name Elohim and worship Him for His power. He said that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work in your mortal body. The same power that holds everything in this universe together, was purchased by Jesus to be at work in your life this day and every day. Let the name of Elohim cleanse you of all doubts and worries and frustrations and bitterness and anything else that would hinder you from trusting him in faith. But the second part of the word is the heme part of Elohim. And its application is just as astounding. Elohim is the plural form of El. So if you didn't have the singular article in front of the, the Hebrew word, you would translate it as gods or mighty ones. It's plural, but it's impossible to translate it that way because of the singular article. It's referring to one God, and yet one God in plurality. That's why uh, Genesis 1.26 says of this one God, well, this is the one God speaking, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Our God is not like the fake Muslim God who is a solitary being and does not have fellowship and love at the essence of who He is. Unlike the Muslim God who couldn't fellowship with anybody prior to creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were constantly talking with each other fellowshipping with each other, loving each other, serving each other. They were in koinonia, or communion, with each other. And so before there were any angels, God speaks of a trinity, a plurality in Genesis one one In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That's a reference to the trinity. Now, that makes me not much of a scholar, because scholars say that there is no trinity in the Old Testament. And uh, God makes scholarship foolish, because... I've got commentaries that go back centuries before the time of Jesus, written by godly Jews who—these uh, are commentaries on Genesis—and they speak of God and the Word and the Holy Spirit, each talking to each other. They are persons talking with each other, and yet there's only one God, and this is the, all three of them are the one Jehovah. They knew about the Trinity. This is not something concocted in the third century A.D. The Trinity, in fact, I've got a book by a Jewish rabbi who says, yes, the the rabbis prior to the time of Christ knew about the Trinity, and he shows it all through the Old Testament. It's a fabulous book. And when we come to the Lord's table this morning, we are not only banking on His power being on our behalf because He is Elohim, but we are banking on his fellowship being shared with us because he is Elohim. Okay? 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is astonishing that we are being ushered into the very fellowship that Jesus enjoyed with Father and the Spirit throughout eternity. Absolutely incredible. Elohim has never ceased to be a God of outgoing love, fellowship, and heart-to-heart ministry, and He offers that to you in the Lord's table. And so when God calls us to this communion meal, He is calling us into His fellowship and into His power. Let's glory that His power and fellowship had been pledged to us in this meal. And let us pledge to enter into that power and into that fellowship ourselves rather than continuing to live in doubt and unbelief. Let's pray. Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we glory that you have called us to yourself in this table. We glory in your power. Forgive us for those times that we doubt your power to be sufficient for us. Forgive us for our anxieties and fears. Forgive us for those times that we doubt your presence and fellowship with us. This morning, as we partake of this communion, we do so in faith that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can successfully be against us? No one. We partake of communion in faith that you loved us with an everlasting love and that we will forever be diving deeper and deeper into knowing and experiencing you in perfect fellowship. Help us in this meal to catch a glimpse of who you are and what you have done. May we leave this worship service being enriched by your power and fellowship. May it be so, Lord Jesus. Amen.